You are listening to the Balkan Bread Podcast. This is a podcast created to connect to Yaspora worldwide by sharing each other's stories. Hey guys, and welcome to the second episode of the Balkan Bread podcast. My name's Amina, and I am the founder of Balkan Bread. Balkan Bread's a clothing line dedicated to preserving our culture among the diaspora. So if you know absolutely nothing about this brand whatsoever, we are about to educate you guys and give you a little bit more info as to what we're all about. So like I said, Balkan Broad is a clothing line. We are planning on launching next week. We might have already launched by the time that you're listening to this podcast. So as part of our launch, we are releasing a brand new collection and it's something that's very close to my heart. So I'm super excited to be talking about this with you guys on episode today. We also have a guest star who I will be introducing in a little bit later. But just to get into the nitty gritty of the episode, the collection that we are going to be releasing at the same time as the website totally lost my train of thought there for a moment, is the Zboktebe collection. And this is a collection that's dedicated to my dad's Latan. So I started Balkan Bread in March, and my dad actually ended up passing away unexpectedly in May. And it was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to deal with and go through. And I'm still going through it. But Instead of focusing on the negative aspect of that situation, I wanted to turn it into something a little bit more positive with this collection. So that is what this episode is all about. We're actually going to be talking about dealing with loss, which is a very deep topic and not sure how emotional this is going to get, but I am excited to talk about it because we live in a society where I feel like loss is romanticized and it's not really dealt with the way that it's, I guess, supposed to be dealt with. I mean, there's so many different ways to go about it and there's no perfect formula for dealing with it. However, I do think there's a lot of things that people don't know about it. And that's exactly what we want to talk about today. So this podcast is not just for someone who has lost someone that's very, very close to them. This could also be for one of your friends who their friend may have lost a family member or something like that. So this is for everyone out there. And that is my little intro. I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to my friend Zarina. And she's going to tell you guys a little bit more about her story because come to find out, we both actually have very similar stories. Thank you, Amina. I just want to say thank you to you and Vulcan and Brad for giving me this opportunity to share my story. Um, I am so honored and excited to be a part of this collection. But um, for those of you listening, a little bit about me. I was born in Sarajevo in 1996. And then my family um, immigrated to the United States, to Detroit, Michigan in 2002. So right now, I'm just 
finished I finished up my bachelor's degree and I'm figuring out my master's and all of that. I'm within the field of medicine, but that's kind of like the background of what I'm doing. And then on the side, I really like to connect with people and just, especially in the last few months, um, share stories. And because I've been through a lot, I want to give back and maybe try and teach people what I've learned over the last couple of years since everything happened to my family. And so I've started blogging and kind of interacting with the social media world. Um, so if you're wondering what happened, um, I'm gonna try and keep it not too emotional and I'm gonna try and not get emotional talking about it, but it is very heavy and it's something that was difficult to go through and something that I'm still going through. Um, but two years ago, my family was visiting Bosnia and normally, you know, my parents, wanted all of us to go together. But um, summer of 2016, I was in my sophomore year of college and I was also working. So I couldn't really go with them. And so they left and I stayed here um, and everything was fine up until 10 days afterwards, which was July 14th of 2016. And that date will kind of always be a reminder of everything that happened. But my family was in the car, my mom, dad, um, brother, and then my grandfather from my mom's side. They were going up to the village that my mom is from. And for those of you that are familiar with Bosnia and the cities, she's from Focha. Um, and so they were visiting that area and having like a family get together. Well, unfortunately they weren't able to even make it um, there. They were in a tragic car accident that took my grandpa's life and then hospitalized my mom, dad, and brother. Um, as those of you that know the roads in Bosnia, they're very narrow and curvy. And so it was kind of a head on with um, head on accident with a semi truck. So my dad, my grandpa passed away on the spot. Um, and then my brother was injured. My mom had several injuries and my dad actually, because he was a bigger guy, he was tall, um, 6'1", and the car that they were in was a small Ford Focus. He hit his head on the roof of the car and ended up cracking his entire like frontal bone, which is like your forehead. And they did surgery on him. Um, and over the course of three weeks, they were doing the MRI scans and everything. And, you know, there was hope. Um, so... I, when they told me that the accident happened, I automatically booked a ticket and I left the following day. And I was in Bosnia for those three weeks, um, you know, taking care of my family, just being their support for them. And then I left Bosnia August 2nd of 2016. And August 4th is when they told me that my dad passed away. <laughs> yeah, so that is just an introduction to just how hard loss really is and how hard it is to even talk about but we're trying to I guess keep it together for this episode just because we want to voice these things that we've come to learn and things that we're still processing and still kind of going through and whatnot. So we're going to go into the kind of like Q&A aspect. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the particular day and what it was like for me as well. So 
going off of that, I just want to say that there really is no one size fits all when it comes to grieving. There is no right or wrong way to do it. You can try multiple things and really just see what works for you. You know, it might be through prayer or through talking to a therapist, or maybe neither of those things work for you. And you're like me and you just decide to make this whole clothing line. I mean, there's just like so many different ways and different things. And yeah, that's an introduction to that. So going on into the particular day that happened to me, um, I just want to say that it's okay to not know what to do with yourself because honestly, when that happened, it felt like my whole world stopped. Like there was no way this was happening. And I remember the day that my dad passed away and I had to text all of my friends or I didn't have to do this, but I was just in such a state of shock and I didn't know what to do. I was like, do I tell my friends? Do I just keep this between family for today? Like, I don't know. And I still had so much of the day left. So it's not like I was just going to, I don't know, sit by myself. It just didn't, it didn't feel right to me. So I texted my friends and it was probably the worst message that I've ever sent in my entire life. I never thought, you know, I would have to send that message at 22 years old, but um, that's what I did. And I didn't really expect like too much. I mean, condolences and things like that, but I kid you not that day, every single one of my friends came over to comfort me. And I remember um, we had other family members just like coming through the house throughout the day and they were all kind of surprised and they kept like (laughs) asking my mom like who all these people were at our house and I just remember my mom saying like oh those are just Amina's friends like you know they're just here we're just chilling like trying to basically just trying to comfort me and we're just joking around and you know for the next few days my friends didn't leave my side like there was always someone over at my house or just picking me up and taking me, I don't know, driving around just because I honestly did not know what to do with myself. It was just one of those things where it's like when something like that happens, it's like, how do you even go on with your life? And um, yeah, if you guys listened to the last episode, I actually talked about these friends. Um, These are all the friends that were in my entrepreneurship class, and they all ended up coming to my dad's funeral. And that was one of the worst, like just emotionally exhausting days like of my life. And I just remember after everything was over, I just needed to kind of just get away from it all. And I just remember all of my friends um, just watching a movie at one of our houses. And honestly, that was enough. Like it just felt like it was any other day. And for the moment, it felt like everything was going to be okay. So that's how my day went. It was definitely one of the hardest days. And I think that day is still going to haunt me. But I mean, there's not much you can do. There's not much you can change about what's happened. So I am going to segue into talking about grieving and how exactly you grieve. So I don't know how you dealt with this, Savina, but I did want to ask you, like, what was your first... I guess, instinct or first thing to do? So when I found out that my dad passed away, I actually had just came back from Toronto because my parents had left the car there when they left for Bosnia. And so I had to go pick it up. Um, And I came back and I was staying the night at a family friend's house. And so the following morning is when they told me and they, so they spiked my coffee with um, Xanax 
to calm me. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my. Okay. Yeah. So I knew what they were, I mean, they were trying to look out for me, like typical Bosnian family, but it kind of shut down my emotions for a period of time. I was just like in a state of shock in the very beginning. And they told me, I think it was like around 1 p.m. in the afternoon. But I remember just texting, like you texted my friends and I'm like, my dad passed away. And then, you know, people were felt because I was the only one of my family that was like healthy and uh, responding to people. They were messaging me those three weeks, like, what's going on? Is there any progress, this and that? And so I felt like I was obligated to like inform them of what, you know, had happened. And so I made a post on Facebook and on Instagram. I remember like, I hate to like say these words and I never thought that I would be saying it, but my dad did pass away after three weeks. And that day people are like, oh, you're going to forget it because it's all going to be a blur. But I can recall it as if it were yesterday, which is the crazy part. Um, And I just remember like my friends coming they were like hugging me, talking to me. Family was calling me from Bosnia because I was in the States and that all happened overseas. And then probably when the Xanax like wear it off towards the evening, I just remember like breaking down and like crying. Um, and that was that was like the event for the following. I don't even know how long. I mean, because you don't it's a shock that you go through and then the hardest part for me was I wasn't with my family, like my immediate immediate family. They were all overseas. And I came back um, to our house here in the United States with the family friend to like grab my stuff and just walking through it and realizing like my dad's never going to walk through those doors again. It was like a rush of emotions. Um, but I'm grateful for all the people that were there, like my family and the friends that live in the States that reached out to me, um, that were supportive, that tried to like pick me up, like you said, said, like, just go out and do something. And for that small period of time that you're with them, it feels like nothing ever really happened. But I think the hardest part is like when you go back and you're by yourself and you realize what your new reality is. Um, But I can say that that period was very difficult and not even, I wasn't able to go to my dad's funeral um, or I wasn't even able to be there because I it didn't make sense for me to go back to Bosnia after just coming back and having to deal with all of the paperwork and figuring out what I'm going to do with his truck and just the business and all of that. And so my mindset during that time frame was really focus on what you have to get done, focus on being strong for your family. And after like the first couple of days, I just shut down my emotions to where I was only thinking about what am I, what do I have to get done? What am I going to do um, with this and that and contacting lawyers? And I went from being, I feel like, and I tell this to my friends all the time. I was like, I went from being just a normal college student. I was 20 at the time. to like feeling like I'm a 30 year old with a house, a child, like all these bills and all these obligations that my dad once took care of were now on me. So it's, it was a time and it was a day that, I mean, my whole world like flipped 180 degrees. And it's just, I don't, looking back on it now, I just, I don't know how I was able to get through all of that, honestly. 
Yeah, it's so hard and it doesn't feel real. Like you were saying, just thinking that like your dad's just going to walk through the door and everything's going to be fine. And I just remember for me, the most like the, I guess, pivotal moment when I realized like this was real, this was happening was probably um, a couple days after it happened. um, There was a GoFundMe page that was started for my dad and He, I didn't go into too much detail about what happened, but essentially he was playing soccer that morning um, right before he passed out. And the guys on his soccer team just felt really obligated to do something for my dad. So one of them started this GoFundMe page. And I just remember seeing like all of the like donations and things like pouring in. And it was just kind of weird, like to see all these people like giving my family money at like this time what's happening and just I don't know it was just one of those moments where you're like oh my gosh like this this I don't even know what to say at this point like this is actually my reality and we're gonna have to deal with it and I remember like I mean it must have been even harder on you like having to deal with all of just like the legal stuff Um, my mom dealt with like most of that and I mean I was there to help her and I remember sitting at the funeral home and filling out like just all of the paperwork and whatnot um, because my mom couldn't do it she was just shaking too much and um, I had to fill all of that out so that was really just not fun but um, you kind of have to do those things in the moment of them happening and then everything else as far as like you know, changing the tags on your car. And like me and my mom, I think a few weeks, there's always something that you have to learn how to do. And you always feel so upset when you don't know how, like we didn't know how to change like the filter in our fridge. And like, that was annoying. And I just remember like Googling it and going to Home Depot and figuring that out. And then like doing work on our cars and just figuring that out on our own. I mean, we had family members and people who, of course, we could call and they would help us and take care of that stuff. But when it hits you that you are the one that has to figure that out, it's just like, oh, my gosh, like, I wish my dad was here to just do these things for me. This is just it's just too much. And it could be the littlest thing, but you could get so just upset over it and you just kind of start crying like you start crying over like not being able to like start the lawnmower or you know change the filter in your fridge or unclog your shower drain like just all of these things so anyway that was like super random but um grieving yeah. is important and honestly the thing you have to realize is you just can't change what happened and you just kind of have to take it and go with it so People are going to say a lot of things about what you should be doing and we'll kind of go more in detail on this later when we talk about um, giving advice to family and friends who are essentially trying to give us advice. So this is kind of our turn to tell them like, hey, this is what you could tell someone who's going through loss. You know, this is what you could say besides these statements that essentially have absolutely no weight on the person whatsoever. So People are going to say what they want to say and that kind of thing. But now after a few weeks of, I guess, dealing with it and basically having to accept that this is your life and you have to move on past this, um, I'm just going back and forth in uh, the document that me and Zarina have where we were just writing all of our experiences and whatnot. So 
we actually both did something pretty similar. Um, we both, of course, decided to go travel after all of that had happened. So I'm going to let her talk a little bit more about her experience with that. Yeah, so everything happened August of 2016. And I had been planning on doing a study abroad um, in Germany the spring of 2017 because I would have completed all my credits. Well, when the accident happened, I kind of put a pause on my entire life and everything that was going on. Um, actually, the when I found out that the accident happened, that night consisted of me packing and then calling every single job that I was working and every single like teacher that I could get in contact with telling them like, this is the situation. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be there for, you know, I don't even know how long. And so not to get on another tangent, but (laughs) I ended up stopping school for the fall semester. And so that put me kind of behind on everything. And when I came back in the winter time, I took, I took like 18 credits. And then that summer, I took another 16 credits. And in the fall, I took 21 credits, which is crazy. Don't do that to yourself. Um. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. Like, I think the most I've taken is maybe 18 and that was really pushing it like I would never do that again but I had to like to graduate so yeah well that was the thing so I really wanted to do this study abroad in Germany Um, I fell in love with the language studying it I had family there and I'd always been intrigued by it and so it was something that I'd worked towards you know from the beginning of my freshman year since I found out about it well when everything happened I the thing that I got from most people was well, of course, you're not going to do it anymore. Like, how can you leave your family? You know, your dad isn't there to support your mom and brother anymore. You have to take care of them. And so that kind of, it was hard to hear because, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this know, but when you have a dream or when you have something that you really, really want to do and people are telling you, oh, you shouldn't do it or it's not a good idea, but you feel like in your heart, like this is where you're meant to be and what you're meant to be doing it's hard to kind of hear those things. And especially, you know, I lost my dad and my whole life changed. And so this was like the one thing for me that was making me happy. And I was kind of, I decided that I was going to work secretly into applying for the program and still trying to meet the requirements to go study abroad, because I just had a gut feeling that it was going to be a really good thing for me. And, you know, I talked to my mom about it talked to my brother and like told them like, this is what I really want to do. And she knew that it was something that I'd always wanted to do. And although she didn't obviously want me to leave and leave them, um, it was kind of like a mutual understanding of, I know that you want to do this. And so I'm going to let you do it. And I ended up going to Germany. I just came back actually end of August, but I was there from March of 2018 up until August. And it was probably one of the best experiences of my whole entire life. And that it really made me reflect on a lot. And just, I think that was like my grieving period because for that year and a half that after my dad passed away, that I was just in school and focused on working, I was kind of just shoving my emotions down and not really paying attention to them until they like overflowed and I had to address the problem. Um, But being abroad and just, being somewhere alone where you have to figure things out on your own and you have the time to kind of think about what's happening and really reflect because you have so much you time um 
you don't really know anyone in that place because you're new to it. And so it gives you a different perspective. It makes you realize what's important. Um, and I got a lot of stuff off my chest. And I got, obviously, after Germany, I was able to go to Bosnia and visit my dad's grave. And we had a, like, two-year um, ceremony thing for him with, like, all the family and friends. And that just brought me closure because I wasn't there for the funeral. So I didn't get to experience the whole grieving process that comes with being at a funeral. To me, it was because I never attended it in the back of my mind, it was like, oh, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so actually being able to go to my dad's grave and go and travel with his family. So his family um, and go to the places that he wanted to go to was connecting. Like it was a way for me to connect with him. And that kind of just put me at ease, but traveling definitely was one of the best decisions that I made. And I'm so glad that I didn't listen to everyone that was telling me don't do it because I don't think I would be in the place that I am right now if I had listened to all those people. Right. And I think the most important thing is just, you know, listening to as cliche as it sounds, but, you know, listening to what your heart's telling you and what's meant for you and what you need to do for yourself rather than, you know, you can still listen to what other people have to say and, because we're all human beings, you know, that's our natural tendency to give advice and to base our experiences and compare them almost to something that you're going through, even though it's completely different. They think it's something similar and they think they have a place in saying, you know, this is what you should be doing or, oh, you know, my grandma passed away. So I know what you're going through. And it's like, no, you don't like those are two totally like different things, like no offense to anybody. But um, that's that whole thing. So I really loved how you talked about traveling. And I think traveling is one of those things where where you go somewhere new, it makes you realize how little your problems really are when you're in a completely different country. And like you said, just going through different routines and having to navigate a brand new place is something that is going to take your mind off of what happened. And I'm not saying there aren't going to be moments where you are reminded of what's happened and that's completely normal and that's completely fine. You know, I think for me, it was a little bit more sudden. So like, I think you said about, was it a year had like passed and then you went- Yeah, a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. So for me, I had this kind of plan in my head too. I had just graduated college and I knew that I was going to go to uh, Mostar in Bosnia, which is actually where my parents spent a lot of time together before the war and teach entrepreneurship, which was something that I was so excited about. And I just wanted to do it so badly. And that was kind of like my graduation, I guess, gift. So I still wanted to go on the trip. But the problem was that um, my dad passed two days before I was supposed to leave. So I had to figure that out so quickly. I didn't know what to do. Like I said, going back to being in a state of shock and trying to contact my travel agent. And I booked it through like a travel agency. It was a cheaper ticket. Um, I'm sure you all know how that goes. And she was telling me that I'd have to pay like $800 to change it. And long story short, my best friends were like, no, there's no way like there has to be a way to change it for you. I mean, this is, you know, a big deal. Like you can't just 
pay that much money. So they ended up changing my ticket. I only paid like $100, which is great. And I left still pretty suddenly. I left about, I think, two or three weeks, um, about two weeks after that. I left on June 12th, I believe so. And it was really great. I got to visit my family in England. I met up with one of my cousins for the very first time. So that was awesome. Even though my time was cut a little bit short there, I still got to see a lot of my family and that kind of thing. And when I got to Bosnia and I started teaching in Mostar, I just remember thinking to myself, like, okay, I'm a very open, I guess, person. I don't mind talking about these kinds of things, hence, like, why we're talking about it on the podcast. But I just remember thinking, I don't know why, like, this is not, like, someone's death is not something that you have to, you know, shove in someone else's face and that kind of thing. But all of these people in the program, like I was living with most of them and we were seeing each other for the you know majority of the day. And I just knew that at some point it was going to come up. Like, I think it came up in a conversation. We were just talking about family and somehow I think someone asked me about my dad and that's when I was like, okay, I could either, I don't know. I wasn't thinking for one second to like cover it up, but I was just like, oh my gosh, like, here we go again. Like I have to tell this whole story and So I told them what happened. I didn't really go into too much detail, but um, I just remember everyone like looking at me in shock and they were just like, oh my gosh, like you're, you're here. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm here. Like, this is something that I've always wanted to do kind of thing. And in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, am I doing the wrong thing? Like, am I, I felt so guilty. I was like, I just left my mom and my brother, you know, to go, even though I was doing something incredible, I still felt very just like, oh my gosh, was, did I make the right choice? Did I make the right decision? But ultimately I did. I had such a great time um, and I wouldn't change it for anything. There were moments on the trip where I was reminded of my dad and it was actually really like almost magical. Um, I won't talk about that for the sake of time, but I also wanted to add that I will have a blog post up on the website and that's going to have kind of more in detail talking about my dad and some of the ways that I was reminded of him and Zerina will also have a blog post up. So just FYI, you can definitely go check those out once they're up next week. But yeah, that's how I dealt with it in short. And for the next part of this podcast, we're going to be talking about how to deal with it in terms of how to deal with it for your family and friends. So these are the people that, you know, were coming over to our house and calling us and trying to comfort us. And, you know, there's a lot of things that people say in the moment that that's happening. And it's really weird when you open the front door and there's people standing there that you barely recognize, like you haven't seen them in 10 years. I mean, that was the case for me at least. And so what are some of the things that people said to you, like in lieu of all of this happening? Like what are the first kind of like statements? Um, I mean, he's in a better place. He's not suffering anymore because he was in the coma. Right. And so for any of the people that um, my family in Bosnia, they went to the hospital and that, got the chance to see him in this state like they kept bringing that up that you know he's he's somewhere else he's doing better he doesn't have to live off a tube and he doesn't have to have difficulty breathing and just those kinds of things um 
think of the positives, like your mom and brother are alive, like your whole family could have been taken away. Just, you know, some of those sorts of things. And I think, I mean, the generic of you're going to be okay. Like, it'll be fine. And actually, one of the nurse, when I went, or one of the doctors, Mm -hmm. um, when I went to first visit my dad, when the second that I landed in Bosnia, um, I went to see him, I actually went to see my brother first, then my mom, and then I saw my dad last. And that was kind of when I lost it, because I was trying to stay strong for my mom and brother. Mm -hmm. But when I saw my dad in his state, he had always been like, my hero, my rock, everything. And so to see him unable to do anything just laying there it really hit me and I went out in the hallway and I started crying and I started bawling and one of the doctors came up to me and she goes stop crying like you know it's not good to cry um he's going to be okay you know you just have to deal with it and I just remember looking at her (laughs) and still crying like uh, (laughs) I don't understand why you're telling me this because obviously I'm not, it's not gonna, that's not going to make me stop crying. Like, yeah, exactly. And I think people will try or like, I mean, my favorite is like how many times, like, you know, would you hear people saying, especially like, you know, older people would come over and like, they wouldn't know what to say. And it's just like, you know, next is drava glave scene and just like all of this stuff. And you're just like, okay, you know, like still crying, but thanks. So and I mean, we're not trying to bash like our family no, no. on this, just FYI. We're just saying like, these are um, natural like human reactions to someone who's experiencing this loss. So now you're probably wondering like, okay, so what am I supposed to say then? So, I mean, honestly, like you can just say that you're sorry for our loss and, you know, please accept my deepest condolences. And it sounds so formal and so just kind of like, but one of the things that also came to mind just now is I feel like in also in other aspects of life, not just when it comes to dealing with loss, but it's honestly, it's not even about like what you say. It's about, you know, what you do and how you show that you're there for that person. And I think that has the greatest impact, you know, on your state of emotional being. So another thing just to keep in mind. So we were talking about like looking at the positives and, you know, looking at the things that are going well in your life, um, that type of thing. I was reading this book um, that my mom lent me. I think it's, gosh, I already forgot what it's called. It's the one that I sent you. It's like, it's okay that you're not okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And um, one of the things that the author said in the book was really eye-opening to me because I consider myself to be such a positive person. So when I read this, it really just kind of struck a chord with me. But one of the things she said was, don't try and turn this into a positive situation, no matter how much of an optimist the person may be. Like, this sucks. Like, this is awful. So I think for me uh, at the beginning, and I don't want it to seem like everything is, you know, just rainbows and butterflies since, you know, we're releasing this collection and whatnot. But um, you also have to remember the realness of the situation. And a lot of the time when people are going through these difficult situations in their life, you know, you're the people that you surround yourself with are going to say like, hey, you're going through this because it's going to make you an even better, like stronger person. And while that might sound like encouraging in the moment, it's really not. And I mean, this isn't like one of those times where 
you were applying to colleges and you really wanted to go to this school and you just didn't get in, but you ended up falling in love with this other school and everything worked out. Like, this is not one of those situations. You didn't really need for this to happen to you. You didn't need for this to turn you into a better person or to teach you a lesson because chances are you were probably already an incredible person before this even happened, you know? So just keeping that in mind, like, it is real and it did happen and it does suck and it's okay. Like, no matter how much of a positive person you are, it's okay to acknowledge those kinds of things. So anyway. This concludes part one of our podcast episode. Look out for the second part soon where me and Zarina will talk a little bit more about helping someone who is experiencing loss. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye guys.